and more. Follow, subscribe, stay up to date. Episodes drop every other Monday. Welcome to an all-new season of the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, I wanted to give everyone an update on the podcast. For the uninitiated, when I first started MattWatchThat, we were in a pandemic. And because I was working from home, I had a lot of extra time on my hands. So instead of binge-watching Stranger Things for like the 32nd time, I decided I wanted to learn a new skill set. So I learned all about podcasting, because, you know, I like to be on the cutting edge of trends. So in the first two seasons, I produced 40 episodes. I took the last week of each month off. But as we enter the third season, things have changed. I'm now commuting into work a couple days a week, and I just don't have as much time as I used to. So in this season, I decided to make the podcast bi-weekly. So every other Monday, we'll have another episode. So there won't be as many, but hopefully we're going for quality instead of quantity. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare. Four stars worth checking out. And five stars must see. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing Dog Day Afternoon from 1975. It was directed by Sidney Lumet, who helmed 12 Angry Men, Failsafe, Serpico, Network, The Verdict, and The Wiz. He was nominated for five Oscars and was given an honorary Oscar in 2005. He was known for shooting most of his films in New York. The screenplay was written by Frank Pearson, who scribed Cat Ballou, Cool Hand Luke, and the 1976 version of A Star is Born, which he also directed. It was based on a magazine article entitled The Boys in the Bank, co-written by P.F. Klug and Thomas Moore, about the real-life event which occurred on August 22, 1972. Al Pacino stars as Sonny Wartzik. He was born in East Harlem, New York, and after his parents divorced, moved to the South Bronx. While a teenager, he auditioned for the High School of Performing Arts and later enrolled at the HB Studio. He studied at the Actors Studio under Lee Strasberg. In the early 60s, he would spend his time in the theater, performing in Awake and Sing, America Hurrah, and It's Called the Sugar Blum, which he won an Obie Award for. The 70s would see his profile rise with roles in The Panic in Needle Park, Scarecrow, and Injustice for All. He was nominated for Acting Academy Awards in four consecutive years, with The Godfather, Serpico, The Godfather Part II, and Dog Day Afternoon. He would have an additional five nominations, winning one for Scent of a Woman in 1993. 
He continues to work in high-profile movies, including Dick Tracy, Carlito's Way, Heat, Donnie Brasco, Once Upon a Time in America, and House of Gucci. John Cazal performs as Sal Naturali. He's a Massachusetts... Um, a Massachusetts... Yeah. Growing up in Winchester. In high school, he joined the drama club and would study drama at Oberlin College. After graduating, he worked odd jobs, including as a messenger and cab driver, in between being cast in roles in the theater. While performing in a 1971 production of Line, casting director Fred Roos would suggest him for the part of Fredo Corleone, and he would make his feature film debut in The Godfather. He reprised the role in the sequel, and would be cast in The Conversation and Deer Hunter. His career would be short-lived as he was diagnosed with lung cancer in 1977, and passed away the next year at the age of 42. All five movies he appeared in were nominated for Best Picture. This is something to look out for. Most of the dialogue was improvised by the actors during rehearsals, which was transcribed into the screenplay. After a beautiful montage of images around New York City over the credits, we see Sonny Wartzik and Sal Naturelli sitting in a car with Stevie in the driver's seat. They're parked outside First Brooklyn Savings Bank around closing time. Stevie exits the vehicle and scopes out the area. Sal is next to leave. He enters the bank with a briefcase in hand and approaches the manager. Soon after, Sonny goes into the building with a long gift box. As Sal pulls out a machine gun and points it at the manager, Stevie approaches Sonny and says he's getting really bad vibes, and suggests doing a smaller job. But it's already started, and there's no turning back now. As the last patron leaves, Sonny pulls out a rifle and orders the bank workers to move away from the alarms. He directs Stevie to point the gun at the security guard, but he has cold feet and can't do it. Sonny instructs him to leave, and there's a brief yet very funny exchange about how Stevie wants to take the car to go home, but it's their getaway vehicle. Sonny tells the guard to pull down the drapes, as he spray paints the lens of the security cameras. He expects to hold the hostages for 30 minutes, so no one should try any funny business. He forces the manager to open the vault, but notices he tries to use the spot key, which will trigger the alarm. You see, Sonny used to work at a bank, so he knows all the tricks. The manager asks Miriam to use the other key to open the vault and fill the bag with money. However, there's only $1,100 left. The rest was picked up that afternoon. Sonny asks the head teller to open up the registers, but not to empty it as it could trigger the alarms. After, he burns the register record. As they get ready to leave, an insurance man from across the street notices smoke billowing out from the vents. He comes over and knocks on the door. Sonny tells the manager to go get rid of him, and he says that a cigarette butt got into the waste paper basket. A few minutes later, the phone rings and the manager answers. He tells Sonny that it's for him. When he picks up the phone, the voice identifies himself as Detective Sergeant Eugene Moretti from the NYPD. A cavalcade of police vehicles surround the building. Here's a quote without context. Wyoming's not a country. Dog Day Afternoon is an impressive movie. It's been a while that I've been able to sit through a film without a distraction. I honestly can't find much flaw with it. It was well-paced. I never felt there was any lag in the story. The atmosphere is raw and real. It looks and feels like New York in the 70s because it is New York in the 70s. Not surprisingly, the direction was excellent. Lamette is a master of his craft. There weren't any fancy camera movements that took me out of the film. He captured the moments without having to artificially increase the drama. That's the best compliment that I can give. The opening robbery scene is hilarious. 
it goes wrong right from the beginning. It's a tense situation that's interspersed with bits of comedy to great effect. The acting was a highlight. Pacino is spectacular as a man in over his head. His scenes with Charles Durning, who I know as Doc Hopper from the Muppet movie, were a real joy to watch. Overlapping dialogue, realistic, very natural. The supporting cast of bank workers did a great job, many of whom had worked with Al Pacino in the theater. But it made me think that if it were cast today, everyone would look like Chris Pratt and a Hemsworth. Yet in this movie, there were actors of all shapes, sizes, and ethnicities represented. Again, adds to the authenticity. There weren't many locations in the film. Most of the action takes place inside the bank. It's not surprising that it's been adapted to a stage play, but I'm getting conflicting information if it's actually been on Broadway yet. One of the most interesting parts of the movie is that a crowd gathers around the bank and they start cheering for Sonny, the man who's committing the crime. They're making a cult figure from an anti-hero, whose convictions are done out of self-interest. Sound relevant? Also, even the hostages get caught up with all the media attention, so it shouldn't surprise us the way that reality TV and TikTok has pervaded our society and culture. Now for a little trivial trivia. This was the feature film debut of Chris Sarandon, whose performance earned him an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. He would go on to have a successful and varied career, and appears in two of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride and Child's Play. Dog Day Afternoon was produced by Martin Bregman and Martin Elfin. It was shot in Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. The cinematography was captured by Victor J. Kemper, whose filmography includes The Gambler, Slapshot, The Jerk, Xanadu, Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, and Clue. It was edited by Dee Dee Allen, who worked on The Hustler, Bonnie and Clyde, Alice's Restaurant, The Breakfast Club, and was nominated for three Academy Awards for Best Film Editing for Reds, Wonder Boys, and this movie. There was no score, and surprisingly, I actually agree with the director that it would be hard to convince the audience that the story was real if there was orchestral music playing in the background. While I'm always on the side of scoring a movie, in this case, the choice seemed appropriate. You didn't need the music to elevate any emotion. The runtime is 2 hours 5 minutes. It had a budget of $4 million and grossed $55 million at the box office. It was nominated for six Oscars at the 1976 Academy Awards for Best Film Editing, Best Director, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Best Picture, and winning for Best Writing, Original Screenplay. I didn't expect this, but we're starting Season 3 off with a bang. I give it 5 out of 5 stars. If you've seen Dog Day Afternoon and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along. Each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. I've always been interested in the magic of filmmaking and television. We subconsciously know that what we're seeing is the product of hard work, and two inches off the screen, there's a talented team behind the scenes, where a gaffer adjusts the lights, a boom person holds a mic, and a director loses their mind. And yet, we fall for these images all the time, especially in commercials. How many times have you seen the new barbecue chicken fajita wrap and thought, hot damn that looks good? But when you go to the food establishment and get your order, it looks nothing like the commercial. It's kind of like a push-up bra. You think to yourself, hey, those are kind of perky. 
Then the girls come out and they hang down like those sandbag counterweights you see in the rafters of theaters. It's a dirty trick. So I came across a couple of videos that show the truth in advertising. They feature the tricks of the trade and how food commercials are made. How come ice cream doesn't melt under the hot studio lights? Why isn't your beer as frothy? What makes garnishes stay at the top of soup? All of these questions get answered and more as these videos lift the veil. They're all available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Barry, created by Alex Berg and Bill Hader, about a disillusioned hitman who travels to Los Angeles on a job and becomes inspired by the theater scene. It stars Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live, Stephen Root of Office Space and Dodgeball fame, Henry Winkler, the Fonz from Happy Days, and Anthony Carrigan, who played Victor Zaz on Gotham. I was a little late to the game on this series. I had watched SNL back in the day with Mike Myers, Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, Adam Sandler, Norm MacDonald. That era probably through Will Farrell, Daryl Hammond, Chris Kattan, Sherry O'Terry, Colin Quinn. But I had checked out before Bill Hader appeared. Now, I had seen clips of him performing as Stefan and think they're hilarious, especially when he breaks character, but it wasn't until I saw him in It Chapter 2 that I really started to appreciate his talents. I think the writing is really smart. It has innovative camera work, likable characters despite some despicable things they do. It's a really solid series that just keeps getting better. With that being said, I'm still working my way through Season 3, which I plan on finishing in the next few weeks. It's been nominated for 44 Primetime Emmy Awards, winning 9 for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing, Sound Editing, Stunt Coordination, Sound Mixing, Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, and Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Barry has been on for 3 seasons, 24 episodes, from 2018 to present. The series was renewed for a 4th season, and currently airs on HBO. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to mattsaroski.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. Whose performance earned him an Askan an Aska? Earned him an Aska. Alphonse. Alphonse. I know I'm making a joke, but I have no idea what a person from Massachusetts is called. I see the word, but there are too many vowels.